Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings in one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Ern Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, January 18th, 2022, and tonight's the night for the big experiment. Is that correct, Aaron? Your your flash mob. I guess so. I I didn't actually expect it to be a thing, but then people started mm-hmm. sending me like little calendar reminders of like they're getting ready to attend. So then I figured, oh well, if they're gonna do it, well, might as well check in at seven thirteen since we're gonna be here recording. I mean, we might as well just peep over at seven twelve and see what happens at seven thirteen and see if we can get five whole people to participate in our flash mob. Okay. So, all right. You've set up the premise and we are, if we're synchronizing watches here, I've got seven Oh six. So we'll get started with the news segment and then duck out in six minutes to see what's going okay. on. And, and the news portion of this week's episode of marvelous Disney is brought to you by storybook destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill media podcast network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, so again, Aaron and I are recording this on Tuesday, January 18th, 2022, which is four weeks and five days since Spider-Man No Way Home arrived in theaters on December 17th. So, and I don't know if you saw Aaron, but this past weekend, that John Watts film was finally nudged out of the number one spot. By the Scream reboot, uh, which debuted this past Friday, and this Paramount Pictures production sold uh, $30.6 million worth of tickets during its first three days in North America. And during that same three days, Spider-Man No Way Home only sold $20.8 million. But if you take that amount and add it to how that Columbia Pictures film has done so far in the North American territory... It is now in fourth place in the uh, the industry's list of the highest grossing films of all time. And again, that's so that it was single territory for the uh, North America. So that's six hundred ninety-eight million point seven, uh, just shy of seven hundred million. And right now, there are only three other films ahead of Spider-Man uh, in the domestic box office. We've got. James Cameron's Avatar, uh, $670 back in 2010 or thereabouts. We've got the Avengers Endgame, that's $858 And then finally, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, which is $936 And the last three three films that I just mentioned have not been adjusted for inflation. But the current thinking is that No Way Home has a pretty good shot at surpassing Avatar's box office title before that John Watts film then becomes available as a video on demand title on February 28th. But that said, it still has to sell 62 million worth of tickets in North America over the next six weeks, which is potentially doable. So by this point, Spider-Man will be out of theaters, but Morbius the Living Vampire comes out April 1st. Here's what you do. You do a triple feature. Of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which ends with the Spider-Man, the licking of the TV screen, right? And then you do uh, Spider-Man, No Way Home, which ends with the carnage, or with with Venom at the bar Mm -hmm. button. And then you do Morbius, which has multiple links back to Venom. 
so there you go. You do a triple feature, and that way people that are excited to see Morbius and the Spunk universe unfold like a beautiful little flower, they got a reason to go back in and watch Spider-Man one more time on a cheap ticket. It In a really weird bend on reality, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, actually did go back into theaters this past Friday. Sony did this because exhibitors were upset that Morbius had been pushed back from January 28th to uh, April 1st. And so, you know, it's it's like, look, a screen with something on it is better than a blank screen. Mm. Uh, there's just no way that Spider-Man No Way Home, even with what we were talking about just on the last week's show about the the potential award season run, there's just no way they're going to close the gap to equal the box office total for Avengers Endgame or The Force Awakens. And it is now 7-12. So shall we go to the appropriate point and, and see if our flash mob happens? Yeah, actually, I'll uh, kick over here to our... actually had a, a theme song here ready to go for it. There we go. Okay. Kick that in. It's all dramatic. All right, at 7-12... We are going over to the Twitter page for our Flash Mob. Currently at 318 followers. Apparently someone did not follow directions during the week because we we were supposed to be at 317, but we're at 318. Uh, that, per, that person will be banished from the kingdom. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, they're, they're fine. They're safe. They're safe. All right, here we okay. go. It's uh, 712. I got to go to see if there's a clock that has a second hand. Oh, it, we're just seconds away. From hitting 713, uh, the, the anticipation, the drama, I am on the edge of my seat. Here, all right, 713, and... No, nothing. Not a darn thing. No, no. All right. <laughs> we, we have to allow technology. I mean, again, in my case, I live out in the woods, and, you know, sometimes a really fat crow... We'll sit on a line, and I, I won't get email for a whole minute. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, in all honesty, I never even gave out what my what my Twitter handle was that day when I did the flash mob. So they they have no idea. They're like Moses wandering through the desert for forty years looking for a clue. Okay. Well, let's 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 let it soak for a moment and, and <laughs> circle back to it. See what happens. Nothing is better than a spectacular failure. I think that is the most enjoyable outcome I could have hoped for. All right, let's, let's move on. Okay. Well, doubling back to Spider-Man no way home. Now, Andrew Garfield in a recent interview with variety, he talked about, it was actually the getting a chance to redeem himself after Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy character died in 2014's The Amazing Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. this really, really appealed to Garfield. In, in, in an interview with Variety, he stated that making sure that Tom Holland's girlfriend didn't suffer the same fate as Gwen, that was there was something cosmically beautiful about that chunk of the script. It meant that I got a second shot saving Gwen. I will say it was that image of my version of Peter Parker saving MJ. That, it was really beautiful, and that's what sold me on the whole thing, persuaded me to make this movie. I mean, if you think of Toby's Peter Parker as the older brother and Tom's version of the younger brother, my Peter Parker is the middle brother. And the fact that it's my Spider-Man who gets to save his younger brother's romantic relationship, potentially, and, and heal the most tra- traumatic moment of his own life by doing this as his younger brother, that's a beautiful, beautiful moment. 
Garfield also went on to to give credit where credit was due when it came to the laugh at the very end of that that MJ saved from uh, her potentially fatal fall scene. When Andrew appeared recently on Josh Horowitz's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, he admitted that what MJ says right at the end of, uh, right after his version of Peter Parker saves her that fall, it's like, I'm okay, but are you okay? That's all Zendaya. As he explained on, on Horowitz's podcast, this is a real tribute to Zendaya as a creative person and as an actress. Because when she saw what I was doing, that clearly my version of Peter Parker turned up right after the save, that he's obviously thinking about what happened with Gwen and that how that somehow didn't happen this time, but he's still emotionally overwhelmed at having to relive that moment. Anyways, Zendaya is such a great actress and she's such a sense of human being in, in real life. It was her idea to have MJ check in on my version of Peter at the time to ask if I was okay. That was all her. So again, beautiful, powerful moment, which isn't to say, by the way, that the actress who actually played Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man 1 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 is all that happy with Andrew Garfield at this moment. Back in 2012 and 2014, Ms. Stone played Gwen Stacy in those two Amazing Spider-Man movies. And more to the point, at for much of the time, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were a couple. Andrew goes on to, to, to tell the story again on Horowitz's podcast. So it's like, so Emma kept texting me. She kept saying, are you in Spider-Man film? But it's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and, she, and she was like, shut up, just tell me. And he's like, I, I honestly don't know. And so I kept this ruse going for weeks. And then finally, you know, then... After I actually saw, you know, No Way Home, she then sends me a text where she said, you're a jerk. You know, when you say, I honestly don't know if I'm in a movie, that is one of the poorest worded lies you can have. Because you know if you're in a movie or not. You know if you're not in a movie. Jim, are you in a movie right now? No. Well, I'm not in a movie you know, right now, okay. so mm-hmm. I can I can say with absolute certainty I'm not in a movie. If someone were to ask you if I I don't know maybe I am maybe I'm not that means uh, I'm a horrible liar. Anyway, yeah, I I I, I get what you're saying. There's kind of a similar situation going on right now with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That Sam Raimi movie has been undergoing reshoots out ahead of its May 4th release date. This is supposedly not being done because Multiverse of Madness is in trouble, but rather because Spider-Man No Way Home was testing so well. And then, of course, you know, became this behemoth at the box office. And so are you familiar with what happened in the summer of 2012 after Marvel's Avengers came out and dominated the box office? Overall, I mean, outside of them making a lot of money? Well, this actually has to, to do with the film that was supposed to follow Avengers into theaters, and that was Iron Man 3. Okay. And, you know, they, they had scripted the film. Uh, Shane Black had been hired to be the, the director. And, you know, they were in the middle of pre-production when suddenly Kevin Feige called Shane into the office and said, we're concerned that on the heels of, you know, the original Avengers film, that Iron Man 3 is going to look less, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. like a less. So here's the thing. You, your, your budget is $140 million. 
how would you feel if we gave you $200 million? And, and Shane was like, well, okay. But said, with the understanding that you now have to go out and create some, some, a couple of additional big action scenes uh, that need to logically drop into this film. Right. That's where the the monkey scene, a barrel of monkey scene, when, when Air Force One is oh, basically yeah. shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a, an add-on scene of, here, we need an action beat. Boom, there's an action beat. There you yeah. go. But it was just the notion of, okay, you know, figure out a way to make this happen and, and fit in logically to the film. But anyway, again, you know, they threw $60 million at it to make it look big or bigger than it was originally going to be so it could stand alongside Avengers, uh, the original Avengers. I was going to say, there's there's a moment here that, that just needs to be addressed. The mm-hmm. the fact that your boss can come to you, like a, a Kevin Feige or whomever from Marvel, goes to Shane Black, the director, and says, tell you what, I want a scene. I want people falling out of an airplane. You got to catch them, right? I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Make it look a flashy kid. Here's 40 million. And they walk away. I was thinking about this with like uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. What if they didn't get Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? It was a a pie-in-the-sky idea that they had to go out and and ask people to, like Willem Dafoe, you can't read the script, but you got to sign on. What do you say? What if that House of Cards never got built because of so many secrets? Uh, They have to be fluid, and it seems like a lot of the movies in the MCU have that story, that, that one story where they go, uh, it was uh, Captain America, not Civil War, but uh, Winter Soldier, where they go, hey, I want to see uh, two or three helicarriers falling out of the sky all in flames and smoke and whatnot. It'll look really cool, trust me, kid. And uh, that, was, that was the stipulation, make it fit into the story. And, and uh, it reminds me of Peter Jackson, like when he was doing Lord of the Rings, and it was like, oh, we're going we're gonna to add this scene here. And they're like, what? We don't have the money. No, nah, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And they just kept allowing themselves to have a a moment of inspiration come from the outside, and I think that it's good to be able to to be able to be fluid like that uh, while still maintaining you know a cohesive storyline. Well, it's so interesting you bring this up because face it, with multiverse of madness, because you are li- you know again the beauty of multiverse of madness is anything can happen, anyone. Can show up, and supposedly, that's what's been going on for the past six weeks. Is the notion of okay, when we were testing this film, the thing you know, the people reacted to big way with Spider-Man No Way Home was you know the the villains, the William Defoe and you know the, and the like showing up. Likewise, the very thing you mentioned, you know that that we got Toby, we got Andrew to come back. So how do you create a movie that follows that act? And I, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the rumors that have been making the rounds this week. Okay. About um, and, all the and different again, multiverses I, I, that are coming at us of all the old movies, Blade and the X-Men and who, who all's coming back. Let me give you a partial list of the names I've come across in just the last week to 10 days. We have Robert Downey Jr. coming back as Tony Stark. We have an alternate universe version of Tony Stark, Tom Cruise, supposedly doing a cameo appearance. Oh, no, stop, stop, stop. You can't just say that and then walk away like it never happened. How long ago was the Tom Cruise rumor? 
early, early on, John Favreau, when he was talking about doing Iron Man, the studio supposedly pushed for Tom Cruise. But he was the one who looked at Robert Downey Jr. and saw, we've got a, an actor who's had kind of a, a flawed personal life, but it's perfect for Tony Stark. I mean, it just, the vibe, you mm-hmm. know, his history is he's the, the perfect guy for this role. Right. And so that was when Favreau actually literally pushed back and it's like, he will be cheaper, but he will be better. So the whole notion is that you, you're telling me you could have Tom Cruise, but you want Robert Downey Jr. Are you insane? And it turned out to be the right choice. So in a weird sort of way, this is Marvel doubling back on itself. Now, would we get would we get them to interact like the Spider-Men interacted? Would we get a Stark off? See, now this is the problem, Aaron. You know, that so much of this is... You know, supposedly actors coming in in the, the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield mode. But instead of for two weeks, it's like, we need you for a day. Now, this you is know, the hard in. part about all this, Jim, because if you're in the middle of an action, adventure, danger, and magic, and oh my goodness, all the wonderful things. And then you've got Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark, and a Tom Cruise, Tony Stark. I'm going to be like, okay, everybody, stop the battle. Stop the war. Sit down. Be quiet. Get in the corner. Now, you two, I want you to get over that table and have a cup of tea, and let's chat. Mm-hmm. Let's see what, what the differences are between you two, and spend like about 45 minutes of the movie just wasted on on these two characters interacting. I, I, I totally get what you're saying, but that doesn't seem to be what they're, they're doing here. This is well, of in a weird not. sort of way. It, it seems to be... The Multiverse of Madness is is borrowing a page from... Did you ever see the the movie from 63? It's a mad, 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 mad world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it was like every comedian on the planet put in a cameo on this thing. Yep. I mean, this is the thing. If, you know, and this is the other thing. I know you're not a big fan of these, these rumor stories. So I, I, I'm just going to run the rest of the list and you can slap me later. Okay. But we have Patrick Stewart supposedly returning as Professor X. We have James McAvoy returning as the younger Professor X. And what's fascinating about this one is in the window of time that this was being shot, McAvoy shaved his head. Sophie Turner, on the other hand, who has previously played Jane Grey, or excuse me, Jean Grey, in the, um, dyed her hair the right color for Jean Grey during this period. <laughs> uh, likewise, and again, I know these three keep coming up, but we've got... Ryan Reynolds is is Deadpool. We've got Hugh Jackman supposedly putting in appearances, Logan and Wolverine. And then the kicker, because this is supposedly going to happen at some point, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. See, here's the problem. Having just seen the Impossible movie, having just seen Spider-Man No Way Home, normally you and I would discount this would poo poo this this is all rumors but having them having pulled off that movie we at least have to give some credence to some of this right yeah i mean i didn't believe what they were doing with spider-man and toby and andrew and all that jazz and uh so now now anything is possible Mm -hmm. which is kind of frightening because i don't want it to be uh Hey, look at us jumping the shark. Oh, hey, now we're jumping two sharks. Hey, Tom Cruise is playing a shark. <laughs> well, the one thing, and that that, and again, the other thing that that's a good thing 
to have in our corner is this is the Sam Raimi movie. Oh, wait a minute. So who's Bruce Campbell playing then? What were the films that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell made together? Well, the Evil Dead movies, but he was also cameoed in in all of the Spider-Man movies as well. Absolutely. He even cameos in the uh, Oz and Great and and Powerful. Right. Sam loves him. He he brings him in all the time. But bring up the Evil Dead movies. If you remember, they have a ridiculous body count in those films. You know, the, the characters introduced and then drop like flies. Well, hold on to that thought right there, the body count. Uh, mm-hmm. We were talking about Sam Raimi being the director and this that earlier Multiverse of Madness was going to have horror elements or be one of the yeah. most horrific of the Marvel movies. I did not get one hint of that during any of the trailer that we got. Are, are we still expecting a horror vibe? Has that been scrubbed clean? They don't seem to be pitching that angle as hard as they once were. The way Marvel these days handles trailers, where it's the, the art of misdirection. I think you were the one who talked about when we saw, quote unquote, the final trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. And you were the one who pointed out, is like, look at that scene where, you know, Spider-Man is jumping and you've got three villains reacting and one Spider-Man. Yeah, but the difference about that was that the Spider-Man trailers actually gave you a good sense of the feel of the movie, the mm-hmm. vibe of how it was going to play. Fun, lighthearted, action and adventure, romp, etc. If a horror movie wants to say, hey, I'm a horror movie, they're going to put out a trailer that's got more violins screeching and thumps and bumps and large blah, scares. And there was no hint of that. So I just, I think it may have like a scare or two. But I, I just don't see them embracing anything horrific or, or letting anybody know that horror is even a thing in this. So that must mean it's going to be very, very light, if at all existing. Uh, I, I would argue that think about when we got to see our first Multiverse of Madness teaser trailer. We were coming out of the end. It's an end credit scene. On, uh, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home. Right, so it's got to be tailored for that flavor instead of its own thing. There yeah. we go. There we go. I, I, I would argue the trailer got cut to preserve that mood, that feeling. Right. You know, that, okay. that, fair, fair point. Fair point. But anyway, given, you know, given, again, Sam's predilection with the Evil Dead films, and likewise, given the Multiverse of Bandits, as you mentioned, is supposed to have a horror element. Evidently, a lot, a lot of these actors who show up uh, don't necessarily live very long, you know, and, and, and Stephen Strange sort of races out of the scene as yet another iteration of a character gets blown up. Mm-hmm. So, me, I'm looking forward to the next trailer because I'm betting it will be much more in the flavor, in the tone of what you just described. That if this is more of a horror film, we'll get a, uh, a better sense of that in that trailer. Right. But at the same time, trying to preserve the secret cameos that supposedly turn up. And speaking of films that are shooting, Monday, January 17th, production resumed on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, down in Atlanta. Letitia Wright is supposedly on set. Uh, there is no word about her vaccine status, but uh, Wakanda Forever is still locked in to a November 11th release date. And by the way, Aaron, uh, when we get back from this break, uh, you and I are going to talk about what the coming year has in store for MCU fans, including that Moon Knight trailer that did just dropped last night. Yeah. 
Mary, in our last uh, show, you were talking about how much you enjoyed The Eternals, which debuted on Disney Plus uh, last week, Wednesday, January 12th, to be exact. I think I mentioned as part of that show that I was somewhat disappointed to find that when I went over to Disney Plus, there wasn't a commentary track, or for that matter, the Avengers Assembled special. Well, Chloe Zhao on Instagram has cleared this up. She posted that the Eternals is on Disney Plus now, and that the commentary, the assembled special, and the bonus features will be available on Disney Plus in March. She then went on to thank all of the fans and the audience and the exhibitors and the theater workers and who actually got this thing out into theaters, and likewise all the, the amazing people who worked on the film. But Marvel Studios Japan, just last week, uh, the folks in Japan revealed what's supposed to be the entire batting order for uh, 2022. So we previously, uh, uh, early the first half of the show, talked about Multiverse of Madness, which was coming out May 5th. And the next theatrical release after that is Thor Love and Thunder. That's supposed to come out on July 8th. But between those two theatrical releases, there are three Marvel-related things coming out on Disney+. Plus. We have She-Hulk, the live-action series, and then we have two animated projects. We have I Am Groot, which is going to be a series of shorts, and then we have season two of Marvel's What If. After Thor Love and Thunder uh, comes out again on uh, July 8th, supposedly the Ms. Marvel series premieres, and that's going to show up on Disney Plus between Thor Love and Thunder and Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, which debuts on a no- November 11th. And at least according to Marvel Studios Japan, is in this relatively short period of time. Uh, it's going to be basically four months, July, August, September, October. Secret Invasion, the, the uh, the drop which um but so if i'm counting here correctly if we include moon knight which we'll get to in a moment isn't that four series what's wrong with that you got a problem with that you want more you want less well i'm I'm just trying to, to think we got uh wandavision we got falcon of the winter soldier we got loki and we got hawkeye so yeah, but I'm thinking that if we're talking strictly live action, for live action in 2021, oh, for yeah, live yeah, action yeah. to yeah. 2022. Okay, so so that that makes sense. Though so we were pre-gaming a bit, you brought up an interesting point. If you you start to really eyeball the the runtime of these limited series versus the actual releases, you want to talk a little bit about that? Or well, yeah, it was I was trying to do some math about. A Hollywood movie budget versus a Disney Plus uh, series budget, and how they can be relatively similar, but still squeeze more content out of the Disney Plus show. And uh, Hawkeye being an example for being the most recent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about we get these moments where the character gets to breathe that we would not get in a movie. These things would be. Ca- cut where one moment was Hawkeye leaning back in an easy chair, having a flashback of all the horrible things that he'd been through or, or his good times with Nat or whatever it was. 
But that didn't cost any real money to have a, a few moments of him sit in a chair. You know, that didn't require special effects. And then to pull from the archives a couple shots from previous movies didn't really cost anything special effects-wise. So they're able to have these moments where, you know, Elena and Kate end up sitting there talking about macaroni and cheese for freaking five to ten minutes, and we're all loving it. Mm -hmm. They're great scenes, but they don't really cost a whole lot as far as special effects and, and all that stuff goes. So you're saving a lot of money. You're getting a lot more content. Uh, and they're, you know, one of these ground level superheroes where you're not in space and you don't have to, you know, spend your entire budget on, on drawing backgrounds and fantastic sets. So, yeah, I was just thinking that if, uh, your Marvel or Disney and you're trying to come up with a budget, you can either go, well, we can. And the thing is they're getting to be two and a half hour movies and that's fine. That's okay. They got no problem with two and a half hour movies right now. Uh, soon they'll be pushing the three hour boundary. I bet they go have big, huge, fantastic stories. But when you line up Hawkeye in six episodes and only 25 minutes of actual content, and then maybe 10 minutes of, of credits after that, uh, you know, you, you end up with like a two and a half, three, four hours tops. So it's not that much longer than a movie, but again, the, that extra stretched out time is time chatting over a table of Mac and cheese. Normally I think I could get a reasonably spirited defense going here. The problem is I've had time since Aaron first threw this idea at me while we were pre-gaming to now we're recording. And you know, think you're actually on to something here like we're talking about wandavision because they they actually hired the people that worked on sets like bewitched mm -hmm. to where they were doing a the the tell or the the phone or the fishing pole with the loaf of bread mm -hmm. or whatever they didn't have to cg that they did a, a fishing line gag which cost the mm -hmm. the entire expense of fishing line but they did those types of gags for two episodes and so those are practical effects done on set that cost practically nothing because they did them back in the 60s on the cheap back then. So, yeah, we got two episodes of great content cost practically nothing. I mean, when we're doing actual real magic in, in our real universe and we want it to look good and believable, spend all of your money there. But in the beginning, for those first two episodes, when we're in fantasy TV land, you know, you can make it look mm -hmm. hokey like it was in TV land because that's what's happening in her mind. And that mm -hmm. story-wise explains why it looks that way. And it's perfect. It worked really, really well. But, you know, like I'm, I'm looking at these shows and seeing how they can stretch the budget. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they had some wonderful flying scenes. They did some amazing mm -hmm. stunt work. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they did some amazing visual effects work as well, but a lot of the time it was on the ground, you know, a, a good chunk of that story was on the ground. And then when they needed a person to fly through the air, then boom, they whip out their special effects budget and, and get it mm -hmm. done and make it look good. And so here's the thing is like in the olden day, when we got shield, it, there was, you know, kind of the promise of, we got to make a, a film quality TV show. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. always felt like an ABC TV show, whereas these still have that cinematic look and feel. And it's just about how, how do they do it? Well, they stretch out the, the good bits, the, the dialogue and the exposition that, you know, with really great writing 
So you don't mind that it's an exposition dump, that the characters are having a moment to interact with each other that's fun and clever and witty, and you're okay with spending five to ten minutes in that moment where if we were in a movie theater, you would not tolerate that, not one bit. And, uh, yeah, so I think it's a different, we have a different mentality about how we're able to perceive the media uh, because it's a, a show doled out to us week by week versus, you know, crammed all at once in a theater. But, you know, budget-wise, I, I can see how they can make something longer on a similar or smaller budget and still have it look just as good. Uh, they're not cheating. They're just they're just doing a really damn good job at telling stories and and now they got the budget because they're making billions of dollars. And they go, you know what? We're going to make this guy fly through all six episodes. That's fine. You do what you need to to make it work. When, you know, when the piggy bank is dry, we'll let you know. But that's going to be a long time before the piggy bank's well, empty. No, but it it's so in, intriguing you bring this up because think about it. We are 22, soon to be 23 months into a pandemic, which has blown the theatrical release model up out of the ground. Taking into account, of course, you know, we spent so much time at the front of the show talking about the ridiculous amount of money that No Way Home made. Oh, the very thing you're talking about, though, that the, the notion of you, you have this making this giant pile of money, the business has changed. You know, the, the, the notion is that you're not going to the movie theater and plunking down your 10 or 15 dollars for your tickets and then buying your soda and your popcorn, which is the way the theaters you know, actually make their money. It's now a question of you, you pay whatever you pay per month to get Disney Plus at home. And then each week, you know, you tune in for your new episode. of home. And we are a year since WandaVision debuted on, on Disney Plus. And knowing the collector mentality, are, are you surprised that we don't have a WandaVision Blu-ray or DVD? There are people that like their physical media, but I also think mm-hmm. that much like Mr. Disney always said you need a weenie to, uh, in the park that mm-hmm. draws people mm-hmm. to a certain location, Disney Plus needs a, a weenie to draw people to it to subscribe. They need a reason. So if they were to say, go, oh, hey, Star Wars and, and Marvel fans, because those are two franchises that are just, you know, money printing machines if if done properly. And so mm-hmm. if they were to say, hey, don't worry about it, we're going to be putting these out on Blu-ray, well, people go, well, then I don't need Disney Plus now, do I? Mm-hmm. And, you know, because maybe I'm just a Marvel fan and I don't care about all your other cartoon content and your long, rich history of blah 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 I just want Marvel or vice mm-hmm. versa for Star Wars. I don't care about the rest. Mm-hmm. I just want my Space Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they could just wait buy that one DVD set once or twice a year and not have to spend money throughout the whole year to have the subscription. Whereas, uh, you know, Disney plus needs a reason for you to, to cough money at it every month. Mm-hmm. So that's it. And that's why they're not going to okay. put it out on Blu-ray and DVD is because if you, if you love star and you're exactly right, that's the completionist mentality mm-hmm. of, I, mm-hmm. I want to have all of the Marvel stuff on disc on my shelf mm-hmm. right next to me where I can reach out and grab it anytime, day or night. And that is mm-hmm. stuff that will never be on disc. So the only way I can reach out to it day or night is through the portal known as Disney plus. In- Interesting. I, I, by the way, just to sort of further add some reference here, uh, you know, 
you know, that there's the wonderful series of art of books that they've done for each of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Whereas WandaVision, the art of the series, that that book isn't going to hit store shelves till next month, uh, February 22nd. In fact, the, the Loki, the, the art of series, that won't hit store shelves till May 10th of this year. And that's, in both of those cases, we're a full year out. And, and more than that, right. since those shows. I'm kind of used to that because Hot Toys is on that same kind of schedule where they'll, is yeah, it it's like oh. they'll they'll show you their sculpt of Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home and all the suits. And then you go click on it mm-hmm. and it'll say pre-order. And then the expected delivery date is like 18 months from today. And so it's like, oh, all right, well, I guess I'll throw $300 at it now and forget about it. And then one day I'll come in the mail and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I got this rad. Okay, well, it's it, it, it's interesting you, you you bring that up, the whole notion of these have to stay here, and that that's what makes Disney Plus valuable. Whereas, uh, tail end of March, we get Moon Knight. Trailer just dropped during last night's NFL Super Wildcard game. You, you got to see the trailer, what'd you think? Oh, I thought it was amazing. Well, I mean, I've been a very vocal uh, fan about uh, Oscar Isaac being one of the greatest actors mm. ever to be uh, molded into humanity and set upon the mm. earth. And the fact that he's he's playing a character that's got this dissociative identity disorder, so he gets to play multiple characters. I really like for an actor to have that challenge playing that type of, uh, of a character. So I, I'm hopeful for what types of opportunities that will offer him as an actor to explore. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, I was very much a huge fan of Christopher Nolan's Memento. Mm-hmm. And the quick nut of that movie is, for people that haven't seen it, the movie goes backwards. The guy can't make new memories, so... Every scene, he's like, well, what's going on here? And he's discovering something. And 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 as the story is told backwards, you, you learn so much. And it, I was kind of reminded of that in the trailer because he's driving down the road in, in like a van or something very, very quickly, like he's in a, in a car chase. And he looks and his other hand is holding a gun. And he's surprised to see that there's a gun in his hand. And I'm thinking in this moment, he must have had a a shift in identities at that moment. And he's got to figure out what the hell he's in right now. What's going on? And I think that can make for some fascinating storytelling to have your character shift to another character. And that person is in mortal danger and they have to figure out how and why and still get out of it. I'm so, so looking forward to this. It's so fascinating that you bring this up in the same show where we were talking about the trailer uh, for Multiverse of Madness that ran at the end of No Way Home, in that they did a brilliant job with the Moon Knight trailer of setting up the characters, setting up the world, you know, the, the effect of here are, you know, here are all the hooks you need to know about what this show is about. And are you intrigued? Well, come to Disney Plus on March 30th, and follow the six-episode story of Moon Knight. Uh, whereas with Multiverse of Bandits, because you are holding back so much story because you don't want to give away your surprises, you ended up with a trailer, again, I think you, you mentioned the fact that isn't this supposed to be a horror film? Shouldn't 
there be something you know that, that lets me feel you know how suspenseful or, or potentially terrifying this is. Moon Knight but, looked a lot more horrifying than anything out of the Doctor Strange did. movie, right? It did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just. But at the same time, in a I got to see this. And I'm not a horror fan, but I'm on board from the get-go with this trailer because between the cast and we, we haven't even talked about uh, Ethan Hawke, who I'm not sure what the deal is with the, the villain. I think we, we've talked previously about he's supposedly modeled after David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Right. And, well, I mean, the whole Moon Knight character is he's given his powers from an Egyptian moon god. So the fact that, you know, you've, your, your power, your hero's power comes from a moon God or a moon deity. The fact that your nemesis is going to be like a cult leader, that's not so far off the mark. I think that's pretty on, on mark there for that territory of story. All we have to do folks is hang in there till, till March 30th. And we'll, we'll get to see that if what Marvel Studios Japan has revealed, we are in an embarrassment of riches situation with three theatrical releases. And aren't we also supposed to get Spider-Man into the, the, the Spider-Verse 2 the, or through the Spider, whatever they're through calling the it? Through the Spider-Verse 1 or across the Spider-Verse 1, part across 1. Yeah. 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 I mean, and if you're including all the spunk with Morbius, and I, I have seen a lot more people be, you know, when they talk about Marvel, they've mm-hmm. actually been very inclusive of everything that Sony's been throwing into that mix as well there's no redheaded stepchild type situation for a lot of the fans out there. They totally embrace it as if it's part of the MCU proper and, and it has every right to be there. So uh, I think that's very cool that it seems to be working in Sony's favor right now. Just the other night channel surfing before bed and watch the last 25 minutes or so of James Gunn's, the suicide squad. Sure. Have you seen that yet or? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And it was just kind of interesting to watch this on the heels of the, the Peacemaker show showing up on that's HBO max, right? Yeah. Now we got to have a quick moment here to talk about that. Have you watched the Peacemaker show at all? Not yet. You know, okay. did... have you, have you heard about the intro? For... <laughs> yes. I actually saw okay. that. Uh, so there has been an article that, it, and it was weird because the very first time we watched Peacemaker, mm-hmm. obviously you get your intro, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm watching with my wife, and I ask, "Do you think they're gonna do the full dance routine every episode, or is it gonna be a truncated thing where they just do like a little clip of it and then move on?" Like you know, many show intros are mm-hmm. shortened after a little while, right? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And so we get to episode two, and and it comes on, and I go, "Wow, look." And we watched the whole thing and go, wow, I guess they, they're not going to shorten it. And then episode three comes on and we refuse to skip it. We did not fast forward because it is just so amazing to watch. Now this article comes out, yep. James Gunn talking about he wanted to make an intro that you cannot skip. And I'm like, you devil, you know the secret sauce. Yeah. What is it about it that makes it that we can't skip it? But it was the the fact that they're doing these very bizarre, very absurd dance moves, mm-hmm. but with a very, very serious look on their face. They're very all very determined. And uh, when you go back and look at it, go, yeah, that is kind of what it is. They're all very, very serious face doing the weirdest damn dance moves ever. And 
We cannot skip it. We do not have the power. It's like a hypnotist. Like, uh, you're under my spell. You'll now bark like a dog. You'll now watch all of the Peacemaker intro and never skip it. Do your wishes, my command, James Gunn. There we go. Well, you know, I, I, I can correlate that with the 25 minutes I watched of the Suicide Squad. You know, because again, now it's like, well, damn, now I got to go back and watch the whole film because. That was so much fun. The fact that Polka Dot Man is like the heart and soul of the darn movie, right? And you don't expect that. You're like, who's no. this Polka Dot Man? And you end up falling in love with him. But the big thing at the end, the, the big bad yep. at the end is so comical, uh-huh. so outlandish, so crazy, so silly. And the fact that you've got a walking, talking shark voiced by Sylvester Stallone. And, and, you know, how can you not love Margot Robbie in anything that she does? She's great. And the cast is just wonderful. And Idris Elba, I mean, he is like a, a god amongst men as well. And you have him get in a fight with John Cena, and oh, jeez, man, oh, no, it's, it's too good. It's uh, no, it uh, is. absurd it is. with riches. Yeah. Let's just wrap here so I can go find, you know, on the 1,200 HBO channels that are out there. It's got to be running somewhere, or if not, I'll just fire it up on HBO Max. But to circle back to our, our big question for the evening, head back over to Twitter. Are we got any more? Or what, what do we got? Oh, yeah, we got to do our Twitter update. Hold on yeah. here. We got to. All right. Dramatic music is playing. I'm clicking the refresh button. Everybody is at the edge of their seat once again, as we say. No, it's it's the exact same. Nobody nobody participated. That was, I, I, I'm just going to float an idea. I float an idea here that, given that, again, you didn't actually tell people the address they should to, go to. Again, yeah. Why don't we actually give them the really for real social media information so they can find you and see what happens in the interim? All right, well, uh, if you were to look me up in the 317 Yellow Pages, which is the best way to find me, and you were to look up at Azaprod on Twitter, you'd have a much better chance of participating in our silly little games. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and and participate that way, at Azaprod. There we go. Okay, so that's what we we need you folks looking for. Now, Nancy would like me to remind you that you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Beyond that, also want to remind you, we have uh, two other wonderful podcasts here at the Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish with Lentesta, and we were just talking about Drew Taylor, uh, who uh, works with me on the fine-tuning podcast, which where we discuss all sorts of animation. That, I guess, is going to do it for this week's folks. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. And, and now I'm, I'm, I'm going to go find the hour plus that precedes this. That great, great, great.